Welcome to another edition of Throwing Bagels. Kevin Mooney here with you alongside Chris Douglas. Hey, Chris. Kevin, how are you? I'm great. How are you, sir? Doing very well. And uh, Jason Hamo with us as well. Hi, Jason. Hello, everybody. Hello. Great to see the both of you uh, uh, over the weekend in Oswego at the uh, Communications Alumni Dinner. It's been a while. It's been a while. Well, we haven't been together in what, over a decade? Yeah, we haven't seen each other. Crazy enough. The last time we were in Oswego together. Yeah. Uh, so it was great to catch up. And if you're new to the podcast, we we are the three of us all met at SUNY Oswego. We all went through the broadcasting program and we've all kept in touch since then. And and then we just decided, what the heck, let's start a podcast. So that happened uh, late last year slash early this year. And we're still rolling. Hard to Simple as that. that. We're still here. <laughs> and uh, joining us on this edition of the Throwing Bagels podcast. And it's uh, another extraordinary guest. Uh, It it is our uh, pleasure, our honor to welcome in the Dean of the School of Communication, Media, and the Arts at SUNY Oswego, Dr. Jennifer Knapp. Uh, Dr. Knapp, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Kevin. Hey, guys, it's great to be here. I'm excited. Glad to have you. No, we're we're excited as well. So so first off, let's begin. You were at the uh, Communication Studies Alumni Dinner. You were also at part of a panel discussion, the Hard Hat Tour of Hewitt Hall, which was great. Uh, what are what, what was your impression of that weekend? Yeah, so there's a lot of exciting things going on on campus, and it's always great when alumni come back because then you get to show off all the cool things that are happening, and you get to not only listen to the great stories that you have of the time that you were at Oswego, but share some new stories and connect you with students. So I think that part is always a huge success. That's what I love about the Com Studies reunion dinner is that, sure, it's a reunion for people like you, but we also invite current students. So it gives them an opportunity to network. And uh, I can tell you, giving them more opportunities to network is really needed right now. So we on the sly, I mean, you wouldn't have known this, but we had a, a networking workshop earlier in the week to prepare them <laughs> so that uh-huh. they were ready to go and were just a little bit more confident with their interpersonal communication skills. So I think that paid off for a lot of them. Um, but all around a great weekend, always fun to spend time with alumni because it really drives home um, what a special place Oswego is. Was that um, workshop because people have been locked up for so long that they kind of like forgot how to, how to like really, in, really interact with, with, a you know, in alumni and, and things like that. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. Yeah. You definitely nailed it, Jason. Um, you know, if communication is a skill, if it were something that people were just, you know, born with and able to do, I would, I'd be out of a job. I wouldn't have a degree in comm because it'd be like, well, either you got it or you don't, but <laughs> lucky for me. It's a skill that needs practice and um, people just don't practice like they used to. And there's just a lot of confidence issues. We see that a lot with our students, um, not to get into like a super heavy topic right away, but we know our students and they are, they're, they're wildly talented, they're highly skilled, um, but for some reason, they just get really choked up when it comes time to brag about themselves, even if it's in an interview situation. Um, And it really is a confidence issue. It has nothing to do with their level of preparedness. It just is purely they really haven't practiced that skill of 
interpersonal communication. So we're working, working hard to see if we can help them out. Uh, yeah, I can tell you that that was definitely me at one point in time. And even to this day at times, still, still like that, but not as, <laughs> not as much as I was when I was younger. Um, yeah. it was great to, you know, meet you in person at the, at the hard hat tour, um, of Hewitt Hall. And what are some of the exciting developments around, um, that will be the new home for, for SCMA? Yeah, it is. Um, it's an $80 million project. Um, when And when you combine that with the $44 million renovation that we've already done with Tyler Hall, um, when you put those two together, so those two buildings will contain all of the faculty um, and the studio spaces and specialized spaces for SCMA. So we're really excited about that. Um, Hewitt is really going to be world-class there was a time really early on when we broke ground that there was some sort of like PR materials that were going around. It was like, this is one of a kind, state of the art, no place like this exists in the world. And there were a couple of us who were like, that, I don't know if we really want to <laughs> go that far with our marketing that I don't know about, uh, you know, one in a million, the only thing in the world. But it is unique in terms of the the types of programs that we're combining in the building. So that part is true. So it's going to be the home of all of communication studies, which just to catch your listeners up, that's four undergraduate programs and one graduate program. Broadcasting and mass communication, which is what we're most known for. You are living proof of that. Um, journalism, public relations and communication. We've got a grad program in strategic communication. And then um, half of the Department of Art and Design are going into Hewitt. So it's going to be our graphic design and our interaction design majors. Then we also have cinema and screen studies, which is relatively new to SCMA. It's not a new program, um, but they have formed, they used to be part of English and creative writing, but they've formed their own department now and they've joined SCMA. So in addition to all those great programs that are going to be there, we're going to have two broadcasting studios, a podcast studio. So if we want to do a, an on-location episode of Throwing Bagels, I'm, you know, open invitation. Beautiful. We yeah. love you. <laughs> um, animation studio, all sorts of graphic design labs. We're going to have some audio labs, Foley rooms, VR spaces. Um, it's going to be spectacular. And it's all sort of centered around what is called the collaborative core so again, if you've got listeners that spent any time in Hewitt, they'll probably remember it being a very dark, very cold sort of place. So they've actually put uh, skylights in the in the roof um, and added more windows. So that there's a lot more natural light and created this sort of light that comes right down into the center of the building. And then it kind of filters out throughout. So it's it's got a completely different feel to it than the Hewitt than a lot of your listeners will remember. Sure. I mean, I remember uh, basically you would walk into the main level and there'd be like some 1970s couches sitting around a table. <laughs> and that, that was your collaboration space. But now, <laughs> as you mentioned, Dr. Knapp, there's going to be a whole center yes. of the building devoted to to that to collaboration. So that's great right. news. Yes. As you also walk in through a loading dock at the same time. <laughs> yes, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> totally different vibe. Just like, again, if like if people remember being in Tyler, Tyler used to be really dark too. And now the front of Tyler, we've got this beautiful lobby that's got all these um, really fantastic windows. So a lot of natural light coming into that building now too. Most grads that are kind of in their 40s like we are uh, may not necessarily know what the SMA, SCMA program is. Can you just kind of briefly explain what the SCMA program is? My 
God, I can't talk tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to talk about SCMA. So it's, it's the newest school at Oswego. Um, it was formed in 2007. So all of our programs used to live in liberal arts and sciences in the college of liberal arts and sciences. And then um, with a lot of leadership, but primarily with president Stanley and Fritz Masser at the time, it was their vision to create a school um, to not only capitalize on our reputation from our broadcasting and our, our art and design programs, those are the biggest departments in SCMA out of the, the five that make it up now. Um, so it started uh, in 2007, and it really came out of a genuine organic place. Our students and our faculty were already collaborating with one another, developing interdisciplinary centers and things like that. And eventually it was just like, well, let's just sort of break off, go a little rogue, create our own school and uh, do our own stuff. And so that's been over 15 years now. And yeah, we've we've seen the school grow, um, not just in enrollment, but just in the number of programs. So it started with four departments. And now that Cinema and Screen Studies joined, it's five. And um, Art Suigo, which is the performing arts uh, series that we have on campus, also got moved over to SCMA. So we've got a really robust portfolio of things going on. You'd mentioned Fritz Masir. During his speech at the dinner, he had mentioned that 50-something years ago, the state covered about 80% of the SUNY tuition. These days, the state covers less than 30. Yes. Uh, while that has led to tuition increases, have there been any other measures Oswego has taken to ensure any top experience, top-notch experience in the face of these ever-tightening budgets and where classes or disciplines eliminated? Yeah. So we've been fortunate. We haven't had to eliminate any programs. We've really only seen growth. Um, there's, there's one exception, and that is um, we used to have a full-on Bachelor of Arts program in art history, um, but we just weren't graduating enough students in that program. So we still have an art history minor, but the major um, got sunsetted. Um, and three, three out of the five departments are also accredited. So we've got um, the music, the art and design and the theater departments all have national accreditation. There's no accrediting body for comp studies um, and cinema and screen studies could go under art if they wanted to. But at the moment, they're happy to sort of just be independent contractors. So I don't think that that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, so, you know, the funding has... It's not necessarily been a struggle, but it hasn't really grown with the growth of the school, which is ultimately an issue. And as you can imagine, after, you know, I've said a bunch of times the number of programs and the types of programs that we have in SCMA, these are all incredibly expensive programs to run. So building a new building with two brand new <laughs> broadcasting studios and a podcasting studio, and by the way, a ton of editing um, suites and a ton of editing labs and computer labs for our graphics students um, and even just for our broadcasting and our film students. Obviously, they need spaces as well. Um, that's all resource intensive. Then you move over to Tyler. We've got two world-class recording studios because we now have a major in audio recording. We've got beautiful instrumental rehearsal room. Our theater is better than most theaters you're probably going to unless you're on the roadway. Um, you know, just sort of your regional theater. We're certainly on par with any sort of professional regional theater. Again, so much money. I mean, even just the lamps that go in the lights for the theater department. I mean, we're talking hundreds of dollars. So um, it's it's definitely tough to keep our programs going, but we uh, we think we have a plan. We're going to try to launch um, a fundraising campaign and endowed campaign for the School of Communication, Media and the Arts called Creating Laker Legends. Because we know, I'm sitting with three right now, 
legends, Laker <laughs> legends. We know we've got a lot out there. Um, and so we want to capitalize on on your success and your reputations, but also, you know, pull at your heartstrings. <laughs> See if you want to give back to your old institution. <laughs> Dr. Knapp, you, you mentioned that you can't just buy a camera and expect it to last 15 years. You have to buy right. multiple cameras and then how often would you need to replace that that kind of equipment? What's your what's your timeline for that? Yeah, I mean, I think in industry, you know, you're probably lucky if you can get five years out of, yeah. say, like a, a TV camera. So we have to make it last at least seven to 10 years. So, you know, there are a couple of things as we wait for Hewitt to come online there that are being held together with duct tape and prayers. Um, that's just that they got to <laughs> last a couple more years. Yeah. But we know once we get in the in the Hewitt, everything's going to be spectacular. So we are pretty good. You know, we have um, in almost all of our t- departments, some form of um, like an engineer of some kind or professional staff that help us maintain our hardware and our software. And that's been really critical to keep things going um, longer than what is probably expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, thinking back to when we were in college, uh, the basement of Hewitt Union, WTOP was there, Student TV, WNYO, Student Radio, the Oswegonian, Student Paper, WRVO at that time was in, I believe, Lanigan, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is now in Penfield. So, right. uh, and and now uh, NYO, TOP, uh, and the Oswegonian are out in the Murano Campus Center. Mm-hmm. So where are these outlets going to be? Are they all moving to Hewitt Hall or, or will some stay put? No, all the student orgs are going to stay put in Murano. Yeah. So even though obviously there has to be a tremendous amount of coordination and collaboration between the student media orgs and what goes on in classrooms and our faculty and all of that, the student organizations are still very much student organizations. There aren't any fact, just like when you were there, there aren't any faculty members that are pulling the strings behind, you know, behind the scenes saying, you got to do this, don't do that. So, I mean, they are totally funded by our student association. So unless they are getting um, donations from alumni or something like that, or, or special gifts that just, you know, local philanthropists maybe are, are, are donating, um, it's all all of that is funded through the student association, and they're very happy to be sort of in that um, kind of nucleus of the the Murano Campus Center. And it makes a lot of sense for TOP with all the you know broadcasts of the hockey games and stuff like that too. It's a little bit sure. easier. So Hewitt's going to be like the lab, and then you'll be able to apply it at at the the stations, the media centers in Murano. Yeah. I um you I hope this isn't offensive to the three of you after your professional careers, but it's sort of like Hewitt is where you learn why you're pressing the button, and yeah. then you go out and then you press all the buttons when you're you know out <laughs> TOP or NYO or something like that. We're still very much in the you know even though that the media industry and, and landscape has changed so much even since you were you were on campus, and I think you know I graduated undergraduate I think the same time as you guys, so we're mm-hmm. all the, the same age. Um, you know, very different when I was going to college too. what what my media organizations looked like. Um, so even though everything is, is digital now and it, it seems like it's it's different and potentially easier, we are still very much in the business of teaching students. Why? Why am I doing this? How, why am I doing it this way? What's the sort of theoretical underpinning to all of that? That's still really important to us, you know, kind of not I don't want to lose sight of that liberal arts education. That's important. Mm-hmm. And Hewitt's going to be like the new Lanigan, basically, where all the yep. classrooms are, right? Yeah, for- so there there will be classrooms. There'll be some general use classrooms for all of campus. And then there will also be classrooms and, and lab spaces that are dedicated to our programs in SCMA. Yeah. 
I was going to say it's probably a bigger version and a much cooler version than the Poucher labs that we were attending yes. back in the day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hopefully, if it's not cooler than we did, we went wrong <laughs> right. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely going to be flags are going to go up sure. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wanted to return to the the tuition uh, aspect for just a second. So I'm I'm putting my um, I don't have kids, but I'm putting my parent hat on and I have sure. a, a teenager who's starting to look at colleges and I see that the cost of SUNY tuition is about 25000 a year for in-state, including room and board and all that meal plan. Right. Um, what would you say to, to the parents and their and their children about whether that is still a worthy investment, especially for SCMA grads who maybe may face lower starting wages than majors in business engineering and so on. Yeah. I mean, first I'd probably acknowledge that it's, it's a very natural question and a natural concern for people to have. Mm -hmm. We know just sort of, you know, the public trust in higher ed is, has eroded full stop. We, we know that that we're, we're experiencing that. And that's certainly a challenge for people like me to, to find a way to sort of regain that, that public trust. And I think, you know, people used to go to college to be better members of their community and better citizens. And now it's, it's a very different thing. And people have, ex have different expectations and different outcomes for attending college. So, I mean, I could certainly say things like, oh, well, on average, a college graduate makes a million dollars more than, you know, a person without a college degree and they're happier and they're healthier and all these things are documented. And that's nice, but I don't know, you know, I do a lot of open house events and I've got sort of the soft sell and the hard sell, you know, depending on how the, how the, the session is going. Um, but ultimately, I mean, I would put our programs up against the programs of any top school that has something similar, whether it's, you know, a, a media school or something like that, or an art school, I feel really confident that our academic programs are worth it. And so if you can get a comparable education, I would argue it's better. I mean, you guys know how much hands-on opportunities you had when you were at Oswego. That hasn't changed. Those things still exist. And if the students do it right, um, and they sort of come through the ranks of whether it's the media organizations or it's our, you know, our graphics club or just working on their films. Um, if they do it right, they are graduating with entry level, better than entry level job experience. They, they don't even, they shouldn't even be applying. I mean, to your point, Kevin, you know, we do have some concerns that a lot of our students are underemployed when they first graduate, but they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be going for that entry level job. They should be looking for one, one rung higher. And that's, you know, probably the pitch that I would make to parents that your students are going to be very well prepared to enter a career. We have, you know, career readiness is a huge focus for, for us and SCMA for the campus too, but SCMA explicitly, we're working on that this year um, and embedding a lot of career readiness skills right into our courses. Um, so I'd say, okay, if you are going to pay half or maybe even more than half, you know, 75% cheaper to go to Oswego where you're going to get a better education, you um, have, just as many, if not more, opportunities because you're going to be able to meet more people, network, go to events like a, a reunion dinner and meet people. Um, there's really, really no question. So I would say if money is something that people were worried about, then we're a great option. And I can promise you, we're not going to let you down. Off of what you were just, what you were just mentioning, you know, like a student is in school there, they're obviously getting a great education and, you know, 
compared to the equipment that we worked on, the equipment is, you know, a gazillion times better than what we had <laughs> when we were in school. And they have all this knowledge that they've gained. But for someone like, and I can speak from, you know, from experience on this, you know, graduating and then, you know, trying to find a job. Right. And then you're like, you, like you said, you should be going for that rung higher, but mm-hmm. how do you get, how do you speak to the students and tell them, you know, it's hard because sometimes people don't want to hire you. You're technically entry level, right? Cause you're a graduate, you're just graduated, but you have probably more experience in doing some things that other people did because they didn't get a chance to do as much. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you explain to them, um, you know, keep persisting for those jobs and not just settle for an entry-level job just to kind of get a paycheck? Yeah. So thank you so much for that question, Jason, because I think it goes back to what we started talking about, which is confidence. Like in these these students, and this is why we're also focusing on career readiness. Again, we feel our students are solid. Their skill sets are solid. They're going to be fine. They're going to go out. They're going to do awesome things. No worries. They're, you know, they're, they're going to be great. And we actually know that our Oswego you know, once you sort of get past that five-year mark after graduation, that's when the Oswego graduate really hits their stride. And that's where they start seeing a lot more upward mobility. So, um, you know, it might be, you know, a rocky start or a little, might require a little bit more perseverance when they first graduate. But we know like once they've been out for five years and kind of established themselves, their rise after that is pretty meteoric. I mean, it it definitely um, accelerates. So I think, you know, when they're coming out, it's our responsibility. It isn't just, okay, well, you finished all of your programs, you know, you checked all the boxes for all the major courses that were required and you did it, you did gen ed and good for you, you're done. Like we have a responsibility to make sure that they know how to talk about their skill set. And this is what we're finding is our students, their resumes are awful. <laughs> and they don't, and, you know, maybe because they think, okay, well, I, I didn't get to do an internship because I had to work all summer because I had to pay my tuition, not my parents. I don't have any family contributions. Like I'm putting myself through college, so I can't afford to do an unpaid internship. Fun fact, Oswego will let you get a paid internship and earn credit. There's a lot of schools that don't allow you to do that. They make you choose one or the other. But now we push, um, particularly within New York state, we are I can't say that we require our our internship partners to pay, but pretty close. We're we're trying to make sure that that happens. But Mm -hmm. for the student who's putting themselves through college, you know, they might be like, well, I didn't do an internship or I was working so much or I was taking care of my little sister or my family. So I couldn't join WTOP. And they're like, so I don't have any experience. Why would anyone hire me? Well, we just sit them down with our career coach for, you know, after 30 minutes, they can have a life conversation life-changing conversation with a career coach that translates all that work experience that they had and, you know, enumerate all the skills that you have, whether it's teamwork or collaboration or leadership, you know, whatever it might be. How do you talk to prospective students? Like what's the level of interest from prospective students right now? Are we seeing less people applying? Are we seeing more people applying over the years? Yeah. So I think the number of people that are applying is relatively stable. Um, There's different ways that that number or, you know, that group can kind of be manipulated. Um, A lot of institutions now, just because of, for financial reasons, um, have longer openings where applications, you can have, you can do a free application. Um, And if you do the SUNY app, you can actually apply to a bunch of different colleges with just, um, with just one application. So we've, you know, um, I think when you've got those free application weeks and things like that, it increases the number of applications that all universities receive. Then it really comes down to selectivity 
and then um, ultimately people committing to the university. So, you know, I think the number of people total that are applying is is relatively the same, but we've definitely seen. So I think in like 2015, 16 is when SCMA had its highest enrollment numbers. You know, we're down about 200 total students from our highest level. Um, and frankly, a lot of that is in the communication area. So while our art and design programs, music, theater, cinema and screen studies, everybody else is sort of holding steady, if not growing, we have seen some declines in the communication area. Now, that is a national trend um, just in general that that is something that is going on. But, you know, and I think we we may have talked about this over the weekend at some point. One thing that we're looking really hard at right now in the comm studies department is the title of our major broadcasting. Is broadcasting really meaningful to, you know, a 16, 17, 18 year old now? I don't know. So it's something that we're thinking about um, and, and certainly not something that we take lightly. I mean, when you mm. are known, literally you're known <laughs> for this particular program, messing with any part of that secret sauce is really risky. So we've got to make sure that we're doing it for the right reasons and that we land on, um, if we change the name of the major, that we land on the, the right mix that's going to attract students, but also just be descriptive of what we do um, and certainly pay homage to what we're known for. On Saturday, you, you, Chris and I, we were all, we actually were, were speaking about this um, question. Where does SCMA you know, kind of stand and rank among other schools. I know, I know how you feel about it. You, you, you made it perfectly clear on Saturday and I don't disagree <laughs> with you, but where does it stand among, you know, similar programs, right? We have the, the new houses of the world and the Ithacas sure. of the world. And, you know, that everyone looks at and they're like, well, those are, you know, the top notch schools in the country. They're also 50, 60, $70,000 a year, a year. Right. Yeah. With, yeah. Wicked large endowments and all of that sort of thing. Yeah. So sometimes it, it is, it is hard to compete and, and I get it. Students want name recognition on that resume when they go out and they apply for that job. Um, you know, there's no real metric to compare ourselves to one another. There's no easy way, you know, everything is pretty university based, like, Oh, us news and world report and, which we always do. Oswego does great. I mean, those, those, that report just came out a couple of weeks ago. We moved up a bunch of steps, um, which is fantastic. You know, we're really excited about stuff like that. Um, every now and then there's, I don't want to call it fake, but there's a less than, <laughs> less than stellar publications that claim like, Oh, Oswego has the best broadcasting program in the nation. It's like, who are you? And where are you coming up with that? Who did you decide? And it's like, you know, they interviewed 15 alumni from maybe five different schools and whoever said, well, we have the best chicken patties. So therefore we are also the best. Can't disagree with them. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a fair, that's fair. Yeah. I will say, so, you know, to try to answer your question, I guess, more seriously, while I can't sort of apples to apples say we're the best, we definitely with SCMA specifically, we're really the only school that combines the programs that we combine. So you, you know, you, there's obviously Fredonia has a great music and theater program. Um, the communication broadcasting is a little less known. It's a, a pretty small department. Um, their art program, you know, a lot of it is geared more toward um, art teachers and, you know, music teachers, stuff like that. And then, you know, Purchase is kind of like the art school, but that's, again, a different thing. It, it's not um, the whole collection of programs that, that we have. Mm. I mean, I will say just sort of, from the finance perspective, we're one of the healthiest SUNYs 
Um, we learned recently that there are 19 SUNY schools. I don't, I don't have a list of what they are, but there are 19 schools that are financially distressed right now. Um, and thankfully Oswego is, is not one of them. So, you know, we've, with uh, President Stanley's leadership, she really has sort of stewarded the, the institution in a really healthy way financially. And so we're grateful for that. So we definitely are better positioned than some of our peers, um, particularly a lot of the comprehensive schools, which were considered, you know, there's 64 student campuses that includes um, community colleges. 42 of those are comprehensives, which basically means they're primarily undergraduate institutions with some graduates. So Cortland, Brockport, Buff State, um, you know, Oneonta, they're all considered comprehensive. So Plattsburgh, Potsdam, um, you know, we're doing a lot better than a lot of our sister campuses. So grateful for that, too. I have a two-part question for you. Uh, coming up soon, there's going to be a fundraising campaign, which you had mentioned earlier for the program, uh, to get it to the forefront of the media industry. Can you t kind of expand your thoughts on that a little bit more? And also, can you also expand on the Laker Legends program as well? Sure. So, um, you know, I give um, past leadership a lot of credit. So we, for a long time, kind of thought that we were going to do some kind of a, a fundraising campaign or something splashy when Hewitt opened. And then at some point, someone was like, well, why don't you do it for all of SCMA? Why are you focusing on Hewitt? I mean, Tyler was just renovated as well. Um, so again, to the point where we, you know, our technology is incredibly expensive to, to maintain and to purchase when those times come. Um, this, uh, the creating Laker Legends campaign is gonna be um, to, to create an, endow an endowment for the School of Communication, Media and the Arts that will help um, support our technology needs in perpetuity. That's the plan. So we're still sort of quiet, phasey with, with that um, working now. We're getting to the point where we're starting to identify naming opportunities. So, if, and you know, if we want to name it the Mooney School of Communication, Media and the Arts. I'm here for it. Let's talk. Let's do this. Yeah. Or the Throwing Bagels School of Communication, oh, Media and the Arts to be more that can, inclusive. Yeah. yeah. Be more like the the Mooney uh, pencil holder. That, that yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's definitely when I saw that list for the first time, there's some sticker shock and the uh, yeah the prices for these types of things. But mm -hmm. in all seriousness, you know it it is um, the campaign really should be, and it's important. We've talked a lot about this that it's for everyone. That we want to make mm -hmm. sure that anyone, what anyone contributes, that they make. Um, they're made to feel like they are part of something bigger. And so, you know, anywhere from the $25 donor to the $25,000 donor, everyone should be treated with the same amount of respect and um, gratitude. doesn't matter how much you gave because it's mm -hmm. all going to add up and it's all going to support our students. And that's why, that's why I'm here. That's why I do what I do. Well, when I win Powerball tonight, I will, <laughs> I will gladly give, give a nice donation. Okay. Good. I'm so glad that this is being recorded. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, Chris, did I answer your question well enough? Yeah, I think so. I just had a follow up really quick. What, what are some of the other ways that uh, alumni can contribute besides financial? Like, uh, obviously, networking is a big thing as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say that that's where we see a lot more of our successes and a lot more of our sustained um, sort of giving to the campus. And that's great because that's what's making our sort of day-to-day -day lives of our students better. So we've got some some set programs. I don't know if you guys have ever participated in the alumni sharing knowledge program. 
Have you? No, I have not. Don't think so. I'm not. Okay. Well, I'm sure we I'll be sending you an invitation <laughs> <laughs> to that. It's a quick form that you can fill out online yes. and it's just, it pairs you with a student. So we have a mm. new guarantee that any student when they enter SUNY Oswego will be paired up with a mentor should they choose one. So let's say we've got someone that says, yeah, I want to, you know, enter the broadcasting field or I'm interested in, in broadcasting and mass media, but more from the financial side. Is there someone that I can talk to about that? So you can sort of fill out your personal information, the type of conversations you'd want to have with students. And then you kind of sit there and you wait for the phone. Well, probably not the phone to ring to ring because we don't answer our phone anymore. You probably get an email that's like, hey, we got someone. We got, you know, do you want to meet with this student? So um, that's huge. I would I would recommend any alumni that are listening to this podcast, if you've not participated in the the ASK program, alumni sharing knowledge, you can certainly go to the um, university advancement webpage and get information about that. Sign up get paired up with a current student, you could change their life. So that's a big one. Um, and when you do stuff like that, we, it also, like, if you want to come into, if you want to come to campus, that's always our preference that you can actually meet with students face to face, but you also can, uh, zoom into a class. You can, you know, guest lecture on something if that's what you want to do. We're happy to have stuff like that happen. Um, you can certainly start a scholarship. Um, most of the scholarships that we give out these days are need-based. I would say like almost 75% of the scholarships that our students are getting um, are need-based. And so if you want to start a scholarship um, and you can get a, a bunch of people together, and that's another great thing about all of this, like you could always pool a bunch of you together and you could name a scholarship in honor of one of your favorite professors or something like that, which is also pretty cool. Um, but I would say coming to campus, visiting with students, being available to be a mentor, um, attending networking events and professional development events that we have with students. That's really where you're going to probably see the biggest impact and feel the biggest impact because you'll actually get to interact with the students. And that l leads into uh, my question where uh, there was a panel discussion before the Hewitt Hall tour uh, where there were alumni talking to each other about how to best, how you can contribute to Oswego, whether it be monetary, whether it be through networking, mm -hmm. uh, or whether it be through the Ask program or, or just about anything. But one of the the threads that came out of that panel discussion among alumni was, we want to help, we love helping, but students are not taking advantage of that. Uh, is Do you get that sense as well? Yeah. And I think that this is something that we need to, um, we being the faculty, to work a little bit mm -hmm. harder because the last thing I want to do is ask you to give up time in your very busy life and your schedule with, you know, work and family and all of that, just, you know, trying to have a life and you're, yeah, agree to meet a student on zoom at seven o'clock on Monday night. And then you're just sitting there and nobody shows up. Like I, that's, that gives me nightmares. You know, I certainly don't, I never want, want someone to feel like their time has been wasted or not meaningfully spent. So with some coaching and um, starting early, which is something, I don't know, we didn't necessarily talk about that in that session that you're referring to Kevin. Um, but that's on, that's on us. That's on the faculty. And to start, the first semester that they're on campus, we need to be having conversations about what they should be doing, what they should attempt to be doing. So, I mean, I never want to scare off the introverts because um, there's a lot of them, a lot of them out there. 
if I go in hard with like, listen, if you're not networking with five people your first semester, you're never going to make it. I mean, that kid's not going to make it to midterms. So got to be really delicate in some instances. But even like teaching that that type of student, and we certainly have a lot of them, particularly in, in the arts. You know, we get the we love the quirky mix of the students that we get in SCMA. And some of them are incredibly extroverted and they just jump off the page. You probably met a, a bunch of them this weekend. And then you probably also met one that you just felt like you were pulling their teeth out to get them to say something. It's rough. So we, we've got to find a way to, to help all of those students, no matter what their comfort level it is, get to a point where they can actually be good advocates for themselves and learn how to talk about what's going on. Um, so yeah, we, we got to do some work on the follow-up. Sounds like Mike Teicher very vividly. Yeah. His head has been burnt a couple of times with students not following up. And that's the last thing, last thing I want. Yeah, we, I mean, me personally, and I'm sure the guys also saw, like, I definitely met quite a few people this weekend, students that ran that whole spectrum, you know, yeah. from the most outgoing student possible to the the super quiet, you know, person who was like, you know, afraid to ask, start come up, but they, you know, and they, but, you know, one in particular came up and really, you know, I gave this girl a lot of credit. Like she came up and you could definitely tell she didn't want to talk. She didn't really want to do it, yeah. but she kind of forced herself to do it. And I, you know, and you know, I gave her a lot of credit for doing it because I don't know if I would have done it when I was, when I was her age also. So um, yeah. there's, there's yeah. definitely a lot of kids out there like that. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, going back to how can you help and how can you give back? telling your own stories, letting them know, like when you were 22, when you left college, you didn't have it all figured out. Like I'm 45. I haven't got it all figured out. I mean, most days I'm like, well, I guess I'll try something different. That didn't work. <laughs> you know, like I'm still learning, growing, figuring stuff out, making all kinds of mistakes, you know, having imposter syndrome, all that stuff you know, happens even when you're, when you're my age. Um, so I think letting sharing your story, letting students know, you know, how you how you kind of got to the point that you are now letting that and humanizing that experience. But also, I think it's important for them to know that particularly if they want to get into broadcasting or media, um, the perseverance that it requires. I mean, you guys all know this. I mean, you really got to stick with it if you want to do it then you you got to stick with it and you can't give up early. You got to keep looking for those opportunities and taking the jobs and the gigs that are maybe, maybe it's an overnight, you don't want to do overnights, but Hey, this is how you, how you get in and you get that experience and you start building a reputation for yourselves. Like it's going to require a lot of hard work and perseverance. Do they have a a class, you know, not a three credit class. Cause that would, that would make, wouldn't make sense for a three credit class for something like this, but like a, you know, like a one credit class that kids can learn this kind of stuff, you know, instead of just going to like the career services office, is there, mm -hmm. you know, a more expanded type of type of class for them to do this kind of thing? Yeah, we do have a couple of one credit courses um, that are more career prep. There's it's a 100 level class. So we have a lot of students that are taking it their first year, maybe their second year. And even then, like you're trying to instill good habits at that point. But it hasn't all really clicked for them at that point. So you kind of, you, you need sort of like, you know, the bookends, which we, for the most part, I think have figured out. So we have potentially this sort of, you know, general studies, GST course, that's sort of, you know, introduction to your field or careers, that kind of thing, where it just really is like resumes, how to go to career services, um, you know, interviewing skills, things like that, um, how to, how to look for jobs, how to use LinkedIn learning, things like that. 
Um, most of our majors also now have a capstone, um, and that usually has a professional component to it as well. So not only are you doing some sort of culminating work in your discipline, but you're also talking about how you would package that, how you would talk about that in a job interview, or how you would list this on your resume as sort of critical experience that you've done. Uh, all right, let's stop talking about the school. Let's talk about let's talk about you. Let's talk about Dr. Jennifer Knapp. Okay. What you went to Canisius for undergrad, correct? Yeah, I did. Um, you were a biology major to start. Oh man, where did you find this? Yes, we we, we so, dig deep here. We dig deep. deep dive. Our research department oh, yeah. found that out. That's right. Our, we we have a researcher. Oh, uh, do you guys need interns in your research department? I can. Oh, that'd be awesome, things. actually. Yeah, I know, right? Yes. We can't pay though. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you were you were talking about your background. Um, mm-hmm during the panel and you mentioned, you know, during your studies that you went from biology to um, communications. What, yep. what made you, you went, what made you start college? When, how long were you going for biology? Were you a pre-med major? Where did, where did all this kind of divert? Yeah. Well, first um, I don't know if we'll be able to squeak this in or not, but um, I'm a Buffalo girl. So Bill's Sabres, I'm still basking in the glory of the absolute beatdown that the Bills put on the Dolphins <laughs> yesterday. Okay, we're so all Giants fans, so it doesn't matter here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe that. I feel really honored that I'm actually you're actually recording during the Giants game right now. So I know it's, yeah. oh, it's they're gonna hard, lose. It doesn't matter. I can I can rewind restraint. it and watch from the beginning later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was one of those kids that was like, I want to be a veterinarian. So when you want to be a veterinarian, you start pre-med. Um in hindsight made absolute zero sense because I barely passed high school biology. (laughs) And so, I mean, just like memorizing stuff, no way. That is just not something that I can do. So I get, it's my first semester um, at Canisius. I'm in biology, I'm in chemistry, I'm in a math class and I'm miserable and I'm flunking bio like big time. Not even, not like not even on the scatter plot. Like I'm just way, way off base thinking like, what am I doing here? Sort of like looking to my left and my right. And I'm also thinking, these are not my people. I have <laughs> nothing in common with anyone in this room. So I had to withdraw from biology my first semester, um, mm-hmm. which was a blow. Like I'm not like a super duper nerd academic person, but you know, did well enough. And so I'm like, man, maybe I'm not cut out for college. Total crisis of confidence. I stuck with chemistry for the rest of the year. For whatever reason, chemistry and I always... Um, always mixed pretty well. I think it was because I had a really rad chemistry teacher who was a woman when I was in high school, and I think it made a, a big difference. So that stuff just kind of stuck with me better. But I had a friend who was going to a different different college, and she's like, "I think you would like really you would really like communication. You should try some of those courses." So I started taking public speaking, and I'm like, "Well, this is fun. I like this." But I never practiced this. I hope no students are listening. I never practiced <laughs> my speeches. I was like, "I can do this." Like I had no problem talking in front of people, and then I would get bees on my speeches, and I'd be like, "But this professor obviously doesn't know what they're doing. Why am I getting bees?" But- <laughs> we all said that. We all used to, we all used to say that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So do as I say, not as I do. Actually, you need to practice your speeches. Um, <laughs> So eventually I found my way to communication, particularly interpersonal communication. So I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys took that when you were there. Com 212, I think the number is still the same. Uh, I think it was a higher ever. level class when we were there. I think it was, it was like also 400. an advanced interpersonal yeah. communication. Yeah, that, is... I took that one my, my yeah. junior or senior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it was like 
all the cliches, like the light bulb moment, angel singing, the whole thing. I could not believe that you could study something like that uh, and get a degree in communication. Everything that I was learning in that class, I was immediately applying outside of the classroom. So whether it was, you know, friendships, romantic relationships, family relationships, my family will never listen to this. Terrible communicators. Just terrible. <laughs> what do you mean they're not going to listen to this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if my family know what a podcast is. I don't know. We'll see. I'll let you know. I'm going to visit home this weekend. So okay. yeah, I'll bring it. I'll bring it up at brunch when we watch the the Bills and the Jags play on Sunday. But um Terrible communicators, though. They, they And they know that. I'm not saying anything that no one in my family would own up to. So it was awesome. It was just, and again, had an amazing professor that to this day is still a mentor. And it was very much, a, I want to be like her when I grow up. So graduated from Canisius, went to West Virginia University because that's where she went. So obviously I had to do everything <laughs> that she did. Um, got my master's degree and loved it in Morgantown. Stayed another three years and... uh finish my doctorate so fairy tale story and you just barreled through the the postgraduate that was really when things were were it just seemed to get more and more uh, interesting for you uh, going through yeah that? yeah absolutely so i mean you guys know graduate school totally different situation i mean it yeah. really is all the the depth um and it's mm -hmm. all the stuff that you that you love and so one of the things that attracted me to the wvu program is the master's program was one year and, to, and it, actually, it's not even a full year. It's more like nine months. This is the mm. hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Mm. My master. Yeah. I mean, to, to do that much work and, you know, coursework in basically nine, 10 months was, it's still the thing I'm most proud of professionally that I actually made it through um, with minimal mental breakdowns. Um, <laughs> yeah. But there's definitely like, if you're not crying when you're at grad school, you're doing it wrong. I think. <laughs> what made part. you get your doctorate? What made you go for the doctorate at that point? Yeah. So it was really all about being just like Melissa, you know, and, and earning that and, and wanting to be a college professor. When I was in undergrad, even when I was in the comm area for a while, I thought public relations was probably going to be the place that I landed. And then um, as I saw more of what she did and saw and, you know, I started attending uh, academic conferences with her and doing mm -hmm. research. Again, I was like, this kicks ass. Who would not want to do something like this? I can be in school all my life only studying the stuff that I'm interested in, not all that other, you know, biology and memorizing <laughs> membranes and things like that. Like, that's, that's awesome. I want to do that. So, um, you know, she made, she made all the difference in my life. And so getting to do stuff like that and to teach, um, you know, obviously being in the Dean's office now, that transition from moving from being a faculty member, full-time, you know, professor, to an administrator was really difficult for me. It was a huge identity shift. I had always identified as a professor or as a, you know, as an instructor, as a teacher. And uh, when that changed, it was, it was really hard for me um, to, to sort of work through and create a new identity for myself. But I still love teaching. I still love watching students have those light bulb moments or also recognizing that their family are terrible communicators. That's very satisfying. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you mentioned teaching. You you taught at Lycoming. Mm -hmm. How in the world did you end up at Oswego? <laughs> That's a very easy answer. 
So when I was at Canisius, um, as a comm major, I used to study with one of, one of my friends there, Kristen Eichhorn, then Kristen Campbell. So Kristen and I would take classes together. We would study together. She would burn popcorn uh, at the library and just stink <laughs> up the whole building. Uh, and we would, you would be, you know, goofing around saying, oh man, wouldn't it be so great if we worked together someday? Well, here we are. So she got to Oswego in 2007. She took a position here. She came from, she was at Towson before she, she came to Oswego. And then it was the spring of 2008. She called me up one day. I was at Lycoming. Um, and she said, are you happy? I'm like, well, I don't know what's going on. I could be happier. What do you, <laughs> what, pitch me. What do you got? And she's like, we have a position that's open up and that was Nola Heideballs. Um, her position as she was retiring from the comp studies department here in Oswego. So I applied, got the job and uh, still here, still loving it. So Lycoming was, was a fun little, little stop. Um, most people only know it as the home of the little league world series. So, which was fine. Yeah. It was, a, that was an interesting time in August trying to get around town when that was going on. <laughs> great. It's um, a great venue though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of fun for sure. Um, but not ultimately a, a good place for me professionally. They were doing a lot of changing of the curriculum in the comm department. For a long time, I was sort of a department of one, two, mm. you know, just teaching all the courses. And that's not healthy for students. They need to have different people and perspectives and lived experiences and all of that. They shouldn't have a, a degree in one person. So it was it was the right move for me um, professionally to come to Oswego and certainly never expected, um, you know, to be a dean. It's not a thing that little girls dream of, like who the hell knows what a Dean does, but here I am still trying to figure it out. So, What did you, what, what, did, what did you teach in when you were, while you, while you're at Oswego, you know, as a professor and do, can you teach, can deans teach? I don't even know if that's, if that's a thing or not. Are, like, are you allowed to teach classes once you're a Dean or can you not teach your classes anymore? Yeah. Yeah. They still let us do it. It really comes down to time. So it, and it's yeah. sort of, you do it based on semester. If you know you got a big project or a grant or something like that, that you know it's going to take up a lot of time, it's probably not a good idea to, to teach. Um, so, but yeah, you you definitely are allowed to teach. I'm, I'm itching to go back. I haven't taught. So it's been a couple of semesters now. I think spring 21 was the last time that I taught. Um, and that was over Zoom. And it was the capstone class. And that was, that was a grind. Um, but when I was teaching primarily, um, my, one of my favorite classes to teach was Com 100, which is the intro class. Taught that in Lanigan 101. I think at the highest point, I was teaching it to like 250 people, wow. which for some people, that sounds like their worst nightmare. For me, like I was in my element. And it was great because it's also a general education course. So introducing people who were biology majors to the communication mm -hmm. discipline was always a fun personal challenge. And I always like to collect new majors and minors at the end of the semester after after that class. So I did COM 100, a little bit of public speaking early on, just sort of a rite of passage. Everybody's got to do that. Uh, interpersonal communication, for sure. My all-time, hands-down favorite course. Closely followed by theory, because I am, at the end of the day, a nerd. Um, and I love COM theory organizational communication. Um, those were the ones that I was probably spending the most time teaching. I don't think we had theory, a theory class when we were there. I don't remember. I don't remember. Maybe we did. I don't remember that class though. No, you probably didn't. So, I mean, you had, you had media law, 
And that oh, uh, had its own. Yeah, sure <laughs> did. <we. laughs> and then I think there was like a programming course and a sales course that is like yep. 320 and 321. Yeah, 321, yeah. Like the, yeah, yes. collection of courses that you took. Yeah. Yeah. Those were Professor Hun's classes, 320, yeah. 321. That was like his, your domain was like the the communications aspect. His His domain was like, he loved teaching all that sales side of, 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 uh, broadcasting and you know, yeah. owning owning a a station and things like that and running yeah. a station Z, Z, Z. <laughs> yeah yeah he just recently i mean he was teaching for us up until i think really a couple of years ago he was still oh. teaching so wow. what a, a tremendous legacy he's had yeah well it was his uh broadcasting 200 course the history of broadcasting that i met my wife alice my f- my future wife alice that i met her in that class so That's you know, awesome. you never know. Yeah, true. <laughs> she was a music major. <laughs> yes, exactly. Cool. You're an SDMA family. Oh my god, that's See? amazing. How about that? <laughs> I, <love it. laughs> I think her her advisor had goofed, and so she had to take a she had to take another elective. So she wound up picking broadcasting 200, and the rest is history. <laughs> amazing. Yeah, that's great. Another uh, discussion we had on Saturday, we we told you to think ahead. Right, because you're. We were going to ask you this question. What's your go-to meal in Oswego, and do you eat at the sub shop? Do you eat at the Oswego sub shop at all? And what's your what's your sub if you do eat there? Yeah, so cheeseburger sub all the way. Just kidding. undefeated, never lost. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only saying that because I I think it was Jason that I offended the other night because yes. he said everyone always says cheeseburger sub i'm like oh that's boring and then he said no that's my favorite so i'm like oh i'm gonna be we don't know each other for like literally two minutes <laughs> yeah so i mean i'm from buffalo so I'll, you know we call it a chicken finger sub i think the sub shop calls it like a chicken tender sub but it's going to mm. be in buffalo sauce which is also something that we don't say in buffalo so yeah give me a, a chicken finger sub for sure it's pretty good it's not as good as what I would get close to home, but it's not bad. It's That's better than most places around here. Yeah. I have a the cheeseburger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what's your go-to, what's your go-to place besides, besides, if, besides going to the sub shop? Yeah. So I will say actually, and this is no joke. One of, if not my favorite restaurant in all of this area, in the Syracuse area is in Oswego. So it's called Bistro 197. I don't know right. if you guys got to eat there while while you were visiting. I've never had a bad meal there, so it's actually one of my right. favorite restaurants. Uh, Is it new? Well, it's relatively new. Yeah, it's probably yeah. been like I don't know, maybe seven. It's five, five, seven years. It's been open quite a while, and it's yeah. it's lasted. There's a ton of new restaurants in Oswego. When I first got there, there weren't many choices. You know, sub, sub shop was kind of the the cream <laughs> of the crop, but um, now there's a there's a lot more restaurants that are trying to approach more of a fine dining kind of a feel um, and they're all really good since you're from buffalo uh jennifer is it anchor bar or is it duff's which one duff's. is it? duff's duff's yeah no question see? yeah see duff's <laughs> is the real the real buffalo wing place and the touristy part is the anchor bar that's where the tourists go but but the exactly. real people okay yeah i've yep. actually never been to either they're both uh, great you won't have yeah. a bad meal but, but then again i don't eat Buffalo wings. So, you know, whoa, whoa, what? whoa. I, eat, I eat wings. Well, I eat wings. I just don't eat Buffalo wings. Mm-hmm. I eat, I don't eat like, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a, I have a very, okay. I have a very sensitive palate. Oh, 
I'm a very I'm a very sensitive person. So I only go I only eat barbecue. That's it. Or like anything that's not hot. Gotcha. I mean, I don't know what the unfriending equivalent is on LinkedIn, but I'm going to figure it out after this. <laughs> oh, man. And the, and the like pizza there is a little different than like the the the, the pepperoni is like a, uh, oh, a, yeah. a whole different pizza in Buffalo, right? It's Versus a whole different experience. Okay. Yeah, that is not something. So, I've you know, there's a couple of places around here that have passable wings. But to get a real good pizza here is it's still a challenge. Still yeah, there's searching. not much. There's yeah. never there's really never been much much pizza in in Oswego. Yeah. So you're, it's, it hasn't changed. Nor yeah. Syracuse for that matter. There's there's one really good one, and the rest are just doo doo. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and Kevin and I, Kevin and I are both from from Staten Island. Yeah. So you guys know pizza. So yeah. yeah, for us, like I mean, for myself. When, when I was in school, I would be, by the time I was ready, I, you know, we'd hit a break or something like that. I'd be like jonesing for like a bagel and a, and a slice of pizza. Yes. It's like, <laughs> get me home and give me a bagel or pizza, please. It's the first yeah. thing I do when I get home. Yep. So true. I didn't even know what a chain pizzeria was when yeah. growing up. I, we just ate from local local places and why, yeah. why would you go to Domino's? <laughs> you know? <Right>. Yeah. I <laughs> completely agree. Yep. Well, this has been great, uh, Dr. Knapp. Thank you uh, so much uh, for joining us. This was so much fun. And um, we will put actually the link to the Ask program uh, on our website uh, when this podcast goes live. And and we think it's great. And I think we'll, uh, you'll, you'll see our names show up. Well, I can speak for myself. I'll, I'll put my name in there and um and chris and jason hopefully they'll follow and then I will you know, as well of course yeah and then the throwing bagels podcast booth that's going to be at hewitt hall so we'll figure out what to do to make that happen so yeah you heard it here first everyone <laughs> yep okay this has been so much fun thanks very much guys i really appreciate it go lakers go lakers thanks everybody go bills and that was dr jennifer knapp the dean of the School of Communication, Media, and the Arts, otherwise known as SCMA at SUNY Oswego. Dr. Knapp was named, officially named Dean earlier this year. So uh, great, great to have her on the podcast and, and a lot of great information about, about SCMA and, and where it's headed. So it sounds like the future is really bright. Yeah, I'm, I I thought she was great. I, you know, I mean, I was, you know, speaking with her on Saturday um, you know, Chris was there as well when I spoke, when we spoke mm-hmm. to her and, you know, very personable. She, you know, she just was, she seems like she was over, you know, she told me, she was like, I'm super excited to come on the podcast, you know, and it's funny. Cause as soon as she saw me on, she saw my name, she knew, you know, cause you'd reached out to her and, you know, she mm-hmm. knew exactly who we were. So she was like, Oh, I'm coming on your podcast on Monday. And I was like, I know. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> and then she insulted me about my cheeseburger sub. You know, so you know. <laughs> Win some, you lose some. Very true. You know, it's funny because when we were talking to her on uh, uh, during the calm dinner, just before the calm dinner, it actually made me want to go back to school. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I want to experience all this stuff yeah. again. Like it's, uh, it seems so awesome, you know? Yeah. I mean, I was joking around earlier in the day saying all this new equipment and all this beautiful equipment they have. I'm coming back to school. I'm going to start all over. Do they do four year graduate programs? Cause I'm right? going to start all over again. And then, you know, um, 
when we were when we were uh, speaking with her, you know, we also to that question that I had asked her about, you know, the competitiveness of the program, she she had said to me, she goes, um, and that's why I kind of mentioned it that way. She had said to me, like, I'm a very competitive person. Um, and she's like, I want our program to be the best, you know, not only in the area, but, you know, for everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's, you know, it's a big, it's a big step, obviously, um, you know, to, to get past like a, a Syracuse name and stuff like that. But, you know, she, she is, I give her credit. She's very, you know, adamant about it and she wants to get, make it the best that it, that it can be. So well, I look yeah, forward I mean, to where it can go. Yeah, for sure. And and also like, I mean, we had, Oswego has got some star power too, man. Like, mm-hmm. uh, don't forget yeah. Al Roker is like one of the most known personalities in television, mm-hmm. you know? So, and he came he went to school at Oswego. So uh, what, what did we decide uh, that it was pronounced? We we just dropped the O, Swigo. That's no, how they say it in Oswego. It's Swigo. I'm not saying that. We go. I'm, go, I'm going with Oswego. The natives. I'm going, <laughs> yeah. It's always going to be Oswego to me. Okay. My Yeah, my, my in-laws are Fulton natives. So Fulton's a city about 10 miles south of Oswego. Within Oswego County... So there's a lot of Swiggo uh, going up, yeah. going up to the race at Swiggo. So <laughs> that's it. It's like a silent O. That, it is. It is. <laughs> yes. Just like Jay, look, Staten Island, S-T-A-T-E-N. The T and the end never happens. Staten it's Island. Staten <laughs> Island. Staten Island. It's one word. Uh, Staten so. Island. It's like, it's, like, it's like the people who are from Long Island. I'm from Long Island. Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> oh, i love it uh the nuances yeah. <laughs> but um you know just be just, just quickly like recapping yeah the weekend um you know like we said earlier we you know the three of us we haven't seen each other literally i think it was 2011 the last time we saw each other we were all up there you know chris's son was like i don't know like five years old or something like that. It was like three, actually. I think it was like three or four, maybe. Yeah. We, you know, we, we, I I don't know if we hit up a hockey game that day. I don't think so. I think we just drove up and looked, went around, drove around and walked around campus and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it was great to be just great to be back up there and see everything. Mm And, you know, like I said, hit up all the places that I haven't eaten at and God knows how long, you know, (laughs) so, and just, and see everyone, see, you know, see you guys, see other people that we haven't seen in in forever. So Mm -hmm. it was really, you know, it was just great to catch up. I think the, the well the last time we were together we were I th- believe we were on a team uh, playing kickball for the belief right. uh, kickball tournament. So That's right. It was that weekend. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah, that's so, correct. Um, yeah. Um so that's we were all together, we all visited us the campus, we went to mm-hmm. the media center. Uh and then and then yeah, then 12 years went by. And uh and really we owe our our podcast to that moment because I think Jason, you start or was it you or was it Chris who started the group text? You put in the photo of boy. The, I think it was a sub, wasn't it? A picture yeah, of the sub. Maybe. Like I been. haven't had one of these forever. It was like a pin <laughs> location of the sub shop. Like oh right, man, right. and then and then we just started conversing back and forth through this through twenty twenty two and 
And then it, within that same chain that that you started, then Chris said, "Why don't we start a podcast?" And exactly. Yeah. I mean, we'd always talked here and there, but we never <laughs> we weren't like chatting nonstop, you know. Yeah, right, and then yeah. all of a sudden, and then you know, that's when it started. And then all of a sudden, it was like, "Let's do a podcast." Okay, sure, let's do a podcast. Nine months and later, here we are. Baby yeah, here born. We are. It's great. We're having we're having important people on, so that's pretty exactly. cool. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Next and- is Al Roker. Well, you mentioned Chris Star Power. Um, the you know the panel discussion before the Hard Hat tour. The um, uh, creative director of CBS News was a, a 2005 graduate. He was in that panel. Uh, someone who's uh, in the an executive at Paramount was also on that panel. Uh, you had uh, someone who had been with ABC News for 30 years was on the panel. So there's there's so many people who may not be like nationally known names, sure. but there are people that are very high up the chain and they all came from Oswego. Right, right. And, and you know, to add to that, we, we met a lot of um, current students mm-hmm. that were trying to make connections like, you know, like Dr. Knapp mentioned, uh, yeah, I mean, some of these kids are just so far ahead of where I was, you know, me personally, like where I was at, at the same stage as they are now, like, man, oh man, are they set up for success? And that's so awesome to see. Yeah. No, it's just- the, the tools that are out there now were not accessible to us when we were, yeah. when we were kids. Right. I didn't have a, uh, a reel to reel editor. At all. No, right. No. Right. I we weren't have... able to splice at home. <laughs> you know how much one of those things would have cost? Oh, like, hey, mom, God. Dad, I need a reel to reel. Right. You'd be like, $1, what? $1, it's $1. only like $3,000. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're already coming in with way more experience right. than we ever had, uh, right. through high school. Um, and and yeah and you know i give them credit for for being at that dinner and for for reaching out and um you know and and like dr knapp alluded to the difference between us we go and the su's and uh, maybe the ic's to i think colleges to some extent is you can walk in day one and start doing stuff where yep, exactly yep. other places like syracuse you're on the bench you're buried in the right. depth chart right and the three of us just jump right in and started yeah. doing stuff like yeah, day yeah. one. Day one. All you had to do was just show up. Yep. It's true. I mean, my freshman year, I'd been on campus for like a month and a half. And I called a hockey game on, on TOP. I mean, it didn't air for yeah. like four days later, but but <laughs> but that's not the point. The point mm-hmm. was I called a hockey game on TOP. Yeah. I was a, yeah. I was literally a freshman for and I was the, I'd been there for for a month and a half. You know, and, you know, they were like, "You, who wants to do it? And me and this uh, another freshman raised our hands and they're like, okay, sure, you guys can do it. And that was yeah. it, you know. I started like almost immediately doing sports updates during intermission of hockey games as a freshman. I was doing that. And then my second semester, I was a news writer at WRVO, the NPR station. And uh, and then writing for the Osagonian and doing TOP. So there was just so many things out there that, that you could do. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and you can't really, there aren't many other colleges I can think of. And yes, I know I'm biased, 
but <laughs> I think we're all the three of us are biased somewhat. Oh, I mean, of course. Um, yeah. But I don't know I mean, that you can get that experience at a lot of other places or very few it's places. Definitely like hard. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, definitely hard. There's very few places that you can do that. I mean, I, I applied to um, Ohio University, right? They have one of the better programs, quote unquote, one of the better programs in the country as well. And, you know, I didn't get into their school of journalism and they were like, I was like, okay, so I'll just reapply next year, you know? And they're like, yeah, sure. No problem. But you're not guaranteed to get in. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm not guaranteed to get in. Like, they're like well, we got to take freshmen and transfers. I'm like, yeah, I'm not coming here. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not busting my behind just to like, then be told again, I'm not getting in. So I was like, see you guys later. I'm going to Oswego. There you go. Um, Oswego was my... Like I, I did a tour of a couple of places. Uh, I'm trying to remember now. I know I went to Fairleigh Dickinson University in New Jersey. Um, and there was a couple of, I don't know if it was Seton Hall. I don't think it was Seton Hall, but, uh, but Seton Hall and I'm going off on a tangent here. I'm sorry, but I Seton Hall. I remember had a heavy, it was a heavy metal station. WSOU. Mm, yeah. I know I feel like <laughs> pirate <Seton> radio, baby. <laughs> So they were blasting Metallica and Megadeth nice. and Anthrax and like that. And I, I would listen every once in a while. So that's kind of how Seton Hall is on my radar. Um, Montclair then, has a good program too. Mm-hmm. Montclair has a good program Montclair, too. Montclair. Um, so, but then uh, SUNY Oswego, um, I, or SUNY Cortland, uh, I visited the, SUNY Cortland and then I went to Oswego and I'm like, man. Uh, Oswego blew them all away. Mm-hmm. And um, yep. so then that made my decision. And so there you go. So it was either Oswego or Cortland, and I went to Oswego. Uh, and now you live in Cortland. And now I live in Cortland. <laughs> uh, but Chris, like, what What about you? Was was Oswego, like, where were they as far as when you yeah, making your so, consideration? I mean, Syracuse was number one on my list, uh, obviously, for obvious reasons. Sure. But uh, there was a a sticker shock. Yes, <laughs> price was like way astronomical. I'm like, yeah, yeah can't afford that one. Um, so then there was Morrisville and Oswego, okay. and uh, I actually ended up going to community college for a year just to get some of the gen ed stuff out of the way and save mm-hmm. some money. But Oswego, I I, gra- I went to Oswego. Uh, that's what I decided on. Um. You know, I had I had some friends that were already going there, and they're like, "Yeah, it's awesome." So I I visited, and it was a simple decision. Yeah. Well, let's all uh, click on that Ask Alumni Sharing Knowledge link that we'll put up on our website, and we'll yes. we'll do that. Yes, uh, we'll do that. We will do also, this podcast. I'm being at the risk of being overly ambitious. I did take a whole bunch of photos of the Hewitt Hall uh, hard hat tour. I know Jason took some as well, so maybe we'll put a gallery up. Uh, on, if you see one there, you'll be pleasantly surprised. We'll put it that way. If it's not there, sue me. We'll try. We'll try to. We'll try to tell you what what it used to be. You yeah, know, oh, when you goodness. were in. Uh, I have. A, I kind of. I kind of tried to try to take my pictures in order, so I knew okay. what what things used to be. But it may. You know, we'll see. Yeah, I don't even remember. I'm like, okay, this is just pictures of a a shell just, of a building. Yeah, <laughs> just a lot of cement everywhere. <laughs> uh, but uh, all right, I think that'll do it uh, for this edition of Throwing Bagels. Uh, we will have big uh, another huge guest next time around where we chat with, uh, speaking of Laker legends, 
Uh, the, oh, for sure. The one yes. and only uh, head coach of the Oswego men's ice hockey team, Ed Gozik, uh, will join us on the next Throwing Bagels. And arguably, Coach Gozik has seen more throwing bagels than any of us combined. Appreciate it. One, one. I appreciate you. wouldn't even want to talk about throwing bagels. <laughs> we're going to have to get his stories, though. We're going to have to. For sure. To do it. Uh, so we're, we are uh, looking forward to that. We'll preview the upcoming season, of course, and talk about his his career. He played at Oswego back in the 80s. Uh, he came back shortly thereafter. He did, did the, the pro circuit for a little bit. And then uh, came back, was an assistant coach at Oswego for a lot of years uh, under uh, a couple of head coaches, Don Unger, George Roll, uh, and then took over and boom, national championship, practically right out of the great game. Recruiter. Yep, so, great recruiter. Great recruiter. A natty. Yep. So uh, we're, we're looking forward to that and sharing some stories about uh, Great Laker hockey uh, with Coach Kozik on the next edition of Throwing Bagels. Thanks again to Dr. Knapp the Dean of SCMA for joining us. Uh, keep tabs of, uh, of us online. Blah, 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 I can talk at throwingbagels.com. Uh, you can email us throwingbagelspodcast at gmail.com. We have a blog coming up next week. And then Coach Gozik a couple of weeks after that. So take care. Uh, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Jason. It was great Thanks, to see you guys. Thanks, Dr. Here. Knapp as well. Yeah. Peace out. Peace. Bye. Bye.